This morning is going to be a little different, and uh, it's going to be a little different because oftentimes, I think when we start messages, we kind of dive into it quite slowly. I'm just going to warn you, I'm going to hit you in the front. We're just going to come out a little heavy with this, and uh, the reason that I want to do this is because of the fact that um, I think that there are messages that you study for. I think there are messages that you allow God to get inside of you, and then there are also sermons that you live, and it's completely different. Um, how many you know when you talk about something and you try to understand it, maybe you research it on the internet, and you're trying to explain somebody how this works, but until you've actually lived it yourself, it's a completely different experience. It's the same idea for like teenagers that say, man, if I had a children, I would just spank them every time. Like, you don't have kids, you don't know what you're talking about. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Like, if you've never had kids, you don't know what the experience is like. And this morning, I don't care where you're at in your walk with Jesus right now. What I'm going to talk about this morning, everybody's dealt with it. How many of you, show of hands, have ever dealt with a series of pain? (laughs) Depression, anxiety, letdowns, disappointments, any of that kind of stuff. Um, We've all been there. So let me just tell you this off the bat. Um, If you say that you've never been there, let me just tell you one thing. You're lying to yourself. (laughs) We've all been there. We've all been through difficult dark seasons. And there's something that God has really done in my heart in these past almost month and a half of walking through some difficulty myself. Um, and, and a lot of the difficulty that I've walked through is just God shining a light on particular areas in my life that, to be quite honest with you, I've probably just suppressed and never want to deal with. How many of you know you have that one lingering thing sometimes that the Holy Spirit is always kind of bringing up, hey, you probably should deal with this, and we kind of keep shoving it further and further down because we know that if we open that part of ourselves, it's just going to open up a completely different side that we don't really want to deal with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to pray. I want to pray that God would just begin to do something so deeply in the life of this church. When we first started this church in 2014, Pastor Jim LaFoon, who will actually be with us in um, June, he's he's a prophet, and uh, he spoke something over our church. And one of the things that he actually said was, there will come a time where there is this overwhelming flood of hurting and broken people people that are just dealing with things, people that feel like life has just got away from them, people that feel like, I I feel like I'm out of chances. You ever feel like that with God sometimes? Like, I think I've blown my second chance. I feel like I don't have any do-overs. And there's going to be a hurting and overwhelming flood of people that come into these doors and are honestly looking for some kind of resolution. They're looking for God to lean into the deepest parts of their pain. And so I'm praying that this morning that that would be the beginning of that. That whatever you're walking through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever pain that you're fighting, whatever depression that you're dealing with, whatever anxiety you're facing right now, that God would begin to do something deep with inside of your soul that would begin to set you free. How many of you want to be free? Amen. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray that this morning that this would be so much more than a message, but God, it would just be an encounter with you. God, I pray that it would be a deep encounter with you. God, I pray the walls that we have built up around our heart to guard ourselves, to protect ourselves, the things that we have told ourselves over and over, I can't let this down because as soon as people see who I really am, they won't be pleased with me, they won't like me. God, I just pray that right now, whatever the case may be, whatever insecurities we have, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're wrestling with, God, I pray that you would speak in to the very depths of our heart, God, and that you would offer freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
So let me start off by saying this, and I think this is going to set the precipice of everything that I want to talk about this morning. And I truly believe if you can get this on a deep level, if you can understand this, like let it sink into your heart, it can truly transform your life. It can change your life. And it's this, it's this revelation that I've come to over the past month and a half. It's simply this, you don't need to escape your pain. You don't need to escape your pain. You need to find God in the midst of the pain so you'll find out the reason that he's allowing the pain in the first place. And here's, here's the issue that most of us deal with. How many know we live in a culture that hates pain? Emotional pain, we don't want to feel it. Therefore, the reason that we find ourselves so depressed, so anxious, so like self-medicating ourselves, looking for some kind of area in our life to numb is because we don't really know what's going on. We're not allowing ourselves to feel the pain. And the truth is, for most of us, we see pain kind of like a virus, It's a virus that gets into our blood system, and when it seeps into our blood system, we say, I've got to do whatever I can to get this out of my system, right? But the truth is, what I've learned the hard way is that pain oftentimes says something more about your reality. It says something about the condition of your heart. Pain is actually saying something that something inside is broken and something needs to be worked on. And I find that oftentimes the reason that God allows pain in our life, because he's graciously trying to bring us to a place of realization that, hey, if you could deal with the symptom of what's causing your pain, you wouldn't feel that way anymore. I've also been learning the hard way that oftentimes when I want to run away, God is oftentimes calling me to stay. When I want to run away from my pain, God is saying, no, 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 sit in it, feel it. I've titled this message, Feel Your Pain. Oftentimes, I say, no, no, I I need you to feel it. Because if you can sit there for a moment, soak in it, feel it, the reason that you're experiencing, encountering this pain right now, you'll find a God that you've never known. You'll, You'll find a God that sits with you in the middle of your pain. See, pain says this, run, leave, escape, get out of here, numb yourself. Or even worse, maybe you're at a place where your pain is saying, God doesn't care about me. He's forgotten about me. He's left me. But what if we flipped it around a little bit? What if your pain, what if your depression, what if your worry, your anxiety, your darkness, the dark night of the soul that you're facing right now was only an invitation to a God that you've never experienced before, to a God that you've never known? You know what I've learned in the past few months? That my pain, the things that I've caused or the things that I've done to myself was just a deeper invitation to say, Zach, you know what? I want you to encounter and I want you to experience the God that sits with you in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the pain. And and here's the thing. Oftentimes, we are so searching for a God that is removed from our pain. We're always looking for the God of the mountaintop experience, right? Like, God, I just want to sit with you in pleasure and enjoyment and just enjoy this moment right now. And God's saying, but I'm the same God on the mountain as I'm the same God in the valley. I'm the same God. I'm no different. See, I've asked myself this question over the past month and a half. What if being broken is the only authentic way to truly know Jesus? What if your humility, what if God stripping away some of your pride and stripping away some of your insecurities was actually your invitation to know him in a way that you've never known him before? See, here's what I've learned. The light can never shine through your walls until they've been broken. The light can never come through your walls until they've been shattered, until they've been torn down. I actually read this in Psalms 51. 
This is the message version, Psalms 51, 16 through 17. It'll be on the screen. It says, going through the motions doesn't please you. Please who? Jesus. Going through the motions, like keeping up appearances, keeping this like perfection side, like I'm performing well, does not please the Lord. A flawless performance is nothing to you. Now watch what the psalmist says. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart-shattered lives, ready for love, don't for a moment escape God's notice. See, the Psalms actually teach us, and we'll read it in just a moment, that God is actually nearer to you in your brokenness. And he's further from you in your pride. He's closer to you when you feel so weak. When you feel like God has just like shattered your walls, and you're open, and you're vulnerable, and you feel like, man, everybody knows my crap. Anybody ever feel like that? Like, everybody just knows my stuff. Like, I just, God, could you just like beam me to Mars where nobody knows me? Nobody knows my weaknesses. Honestly, like, I, I've, I've fell into that lie plenty of times before. Like, God, man, if I, there's certain things in my life, if I just open up about, like, I'm a pastor, people are going to be like, that dude is weird. Like, what? Like, God, could you just beam me to another city so I can, what? So I could do what? Run. So I, I can escape. You know what the problem is? You can't escape your plane because wherever you go, you take yourself with you. <laughs> like, you can't rip your heart out and say, all right, let me just start over in a new city, in a new town, with new friends, new people. The problem is, uh, and I've, I've learned this the hard way, oftentimes you're the issue. And it's not necessarily what you're dealing with, it's your pride. And, it, and it's the feeling of feeling vulnerable that, is, that brings you to a place of feeling so weak, feeling so open, you feel so exposed, and you feel like if people know this about me, it's just going to change everything. But what if the Father was actually closer to you in those moments? Here's what I've discovered. I read something in a, in a book that I've been reading lately um, by Terry Wardle, and I've taken some of the stuff from him for this message. But he said this. He said, I feel like most Christians need surgery without anesthesia today. They need heart surgery without the numbing medication so they can actually feel what God's trying to do inside of their lives. But what do we do? We, we go, okay, God, like, I want to grow. I want to change. I want to move down the road. And God says, okay. You know what my mechanism oftentimes for growth is? Pain. And then we walk through the pain and we go, no, 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 God, I don't want this kind of growth. <laughs> I want like the comfortable growth, you know, the kind where I can just move up to the next step and I didn't have to, to suffer any. So we must learn to feel our pain. We must learn to sit in it. We must learn to sit with it and ask God, why are you allowing this season in my life? But if we're just honest, most of us avoid pain and brokenness at all costs with one mechanism, distraction. I, like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty good at distracting myself from feeling what's going on on the inside. And if I had to place a bet, I'm sure you are too. And our culture plays right into this. This is why Facebook is so important. This is why social media is so important. This is why technology is so, this is why Netflix is so big, right? Like, you don't have to be a drug addict. You can just sit down and watch Netflix and like not think about life, <laughs> Right? You can sit down, you can numb out particular things. But why do, we, why do we avoid our pain? Think about it deeply. Why do we avoid our pain? I think the reason that we avoid our pain is because we oftentimes don't want to be seen as weak or needy. 
We, we don't want to be seen as vulnerable. We don't want to be seen as like your heart's just been ripped open and people are leaning into that. And as soon as people lean into that, you feel exposed and you feel like, well, they know me for who I really am and they're not going to love me. But you know what I've found? Oftentimes people are a whole lot more gracious than you think and the Father is a whole lot more merciful than you will ever know. See, what's crazy for me is in the darkest seasons of my life, I've encountered God's grace more than I ever have. Finally got to a place of being open about particular things in my life. Man, people leaned in and they cared. And man, we're going to get you through this season. The truth is, I can't escape this truth. That your weakness is your invitation to greater intimacy with the Father. Your weakness is not saying something about you as a person. Your pain and your weakness is actually God inviting you to a closer, more intimate relationship with him. See, weakness is actually the way to Jesus. It's actually the way to know him in a way that you've never known him before. So I want to ask you a question this morning, and it's simply this. How long are you going to choose to avoid your pain? How long are you going to choose to avoid your pain? Here's, I, I thought of this, wor- this kind of analogy um, the, uh, yesterday. Um, we drove to Beaumont yesterday. We finally celebrated Mother's Day with Claire's family and her mom and her dad live in Beaumont in this apartment complex and they have this pool and um, you think, oh, oh, how nice, you know, you drive to Beaumont and go swim, you you take six kids to the pool. It's not really like a vacation, okay? It's not ideal. Um, But what we kind of do, what Claire and I do, is we put floaties on them and hope they survive and then we fall asleep in the chair. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, That's partially true, but anyway... (laughs) <laughs> I'm sleeping, Claire's watching them, okay? <laughs> Here's what I find, though, what I noticed yesterday. You ever go on a long drive, a vacation, and you got a two-year-old and a toddler, or you're an eight-year-old or you're a nine-year-old, and they say, Dad, how long is it going to take to get there? It's going to take two hours, son, and then every five minutes they're saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we <laughs> 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, they might do the same. So, so what do we do? What I've noticed with my kids is here's what they do. When, when we tell them, hey, this is going to be a long trip, this is going to be a long journey, what do they do? They fall asleep. Hoping that sleeping, I will just wake up and we'll be at grandma's house, right? And here's, here's what I find that most of us do with our pain. We do the same thing. We get in this journey that we call life and we try to numb it, hoping that we can wake up tomorrow and that it's gone. And here's what happens. You find yourself in this endless loop. You keep waking up and you're still in pain. (laughs) You're still depressed. You're still anxious. You're still fearful. You're still full of worry. See, if you try to medicate your pain out of existence, you will never find the God who sits with you in the middle of the pain. So here's what I would offer to you this morning, that you will find God in the midst of the waves, not in your ability to avoid the waves. Not in your avoidance of trying to avoid pain. I know this is not popular in Christian teaching, but it's just the truth. And if you don't believe me, I'd love to argue with you after. (laughs) The way to a closer relationship, more authentic relationship with Jesus, I hate to say it, but it's through suffering. It's through suffering. The way that God grows people is through pain. The only promise that Jesus gave his disciples when he left the earth is he said, each one of you will suffer. 
He didn't say, when you go out and teach the gospel, you're going to win all these people to Jesus, and they're all just going to build you up, and they're going to build you this amazing mansion, and it's just going to be great. He says, no, I can promise you all one thing. All of you will be persecuted, and all of you will suffer. The gospel was actually spread to the ends of the earth through pain, through suffering, through hardship, through hard times. So we got to get to a place where we start realizing that our pain has a purpose. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God's causing your pain, but I am saying that he is allowing it. Ever ask that question, like, God, why? You know what I've learned? Sometimes, like, asking the how and why questions, they just don't do me any good. I don't get anywhere with them. So I've had to surrender to the fact that, okay, if I am in this position, if I feel depressed or I feel anxious... And there's got to be a reason that God is allowing this in my life because he's trying to teach me something. And here's what happens. All it takes, if you, feel you're, you find yourself in a position of depression or anxiety or fear or worry or pain from a stupid decision, all it takes right now is a shift in perspective. But I can promise you this. Your perspective will not change until you've been broken. You cannot have a shift in perspective that God wants to use your pain until you've allowed God to break you. Because I've, I've preached on this so many times, you just need to shift your perspective, you just need to look at it differently, but you can't until God breaks you. And in that moment of being broken and you realize that in that brokenness that God is actually not distant from you, he is actually very close to you. And you encounter and you experience a grace that you've never felt before. And all of a sudden, what happens? You lean into him and you don't run from him. And all of a sudden, you say, okay, God, the anxiety, the heaviness, the depression, the weight, the pain, I'm going to lean into it. And I know that it's not fun. I know it doesn't feel good. But it's got to be for a reason. Because ultimately, you are good. So instead of begging God for a way out, here's what we've got to learn to do. We embrace the journey as difficult as it may be. So two things. Stop expending all your energy trying to avoid suffering. And start letting this pain-filled path drive you to a God who is good in everything that he does. Who, listen, who is good in everything that he does, even in your hard seasons, even in your difficulty. Psalms 119.75 says it this way. This is, this is a crazy verse. I know, O oh Lord, that your rules are righteous. So it starts off good, like, God, I know you're good. And then watch this. And that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Time out. Pause. <laughs> in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Like, did the psalmist really just say, God, thank you for afflicting me? Yeah, he did. Why? Because his pain and suffering brought an intimacy with the Lord that never existed before. I, I don't know about you, but um, I am by nature a rebel, which meaning I'm just hard-headed. I've got to learn the hard way. I've always been somebody that's like, Zach, here's the line. I'm like, well, I mean, can I step over it? <laughs> How far can I go? And sometimes the only way that we learn is learning the difficult way. And sometimes the most gracious thing, and I know this is not popular to say this, but sometimes the most gracious thing that God can do for us is allow us to go through pain because it gives us a whole new perspective. I read a verse, and I've read it a thousand times, 
but it's literally shaped my perspective. It's shaped the way that I view life over the past month, and it's Isaiah 43, verse 2. Now, I want you to allow this to seep deep within you. Allow it to sink into your soul. Lean into your moment that you're feeling right now. Lean into your depression. Lean into your pain. Lean into your suffering. Lean into your fear. Lean into your worry and allow this verse to speak to your soul. This is what it says. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Let me read it again. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. So you ask God, where are you in my darkness? Where are you in my depression? He's saying, I'm right there with you. God's actually with you in the fire. And and here's the good news. Thankfully, how you feel about yourself right now does not determine how God responds to you. So maybe after some stupid choices that you've made, you feel like, man, God is just totally angry at me, and how in the world is he going to lean into my pain? Thankfully, how you feel about yourself does not determine how God responds. Listen, just because you feel emotionally out of control, it doesn't mean that God's out of control. Just because you feel distant from him doesn't mean that he's distant from you. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean that he's not there. (laughs) Thankfully, your suffering does not limit the power of God. You know what I find oftentimes, and it's tragic, and I've done it too, but oftentimes we feel when we go through depression, we go through anxiety, when we go through pain, we feel like literally God has been taken off of the throne. Do you know he's still on the throne in the midst of your pain? You know, he's still there. He's still the same God when you were on the mountaintop. Even if you find yourself in the valley right now, he's still the same God that's met you in every other avenue and area of your life. There's a story in the Old Testament in Daniel 3, and you probably heard it before, but do you remember King Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar was a king who he let power kind of go to his head, and he established this incredible kingdom. And things are going really well for him, and he finally gets to a place where he's like, man, this is going really well. You know what we're going to do? We're going to construct an idol of my image, because I am doing a fantastic job. (laughs) So let's construct an idol, and I'm going to make a new rule. At a certain time, every single day, everybody in this land is going to bow down and worship my image. And he said, if they don't, I'm going to throw them into the fire. If they don't, they will be killed. And then you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which basically say, you know what? We're not doing it. We serve the Lord. We serve nobody else but Jesus. And so this is where we pick up at Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, you let, remember this. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Verse 18, watch this. I want you to see the contrast. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up for us. I want you to notice something. Regardless of their fate, they said, if God rescues us, he's good. If he doesn't, he's good. 
So their perspective before they're about to be thrown in this fire is like, you can do whatever you want to us, but we know that our God is faithful even if we die today. Even if we are consumed by our pain, God is still good. And that's the perspective shift that many of us in this room have to have this morning. That you could be walking through a dark night of the soul. You could be walking through dark times. And here's what I want you to understand. God is still good. And you may look at your life and say, well, he's not good to me. You've got to fight to know the God in the storm. Because he's there. And the reason that you don't feel him is because you have literally set up mechanisms in your life to distract yourself from feeling your pain. And because you're not feeling your pain, you can't find God. You want to hear the voice of God? Lean into the pain. Lean into the suffering. Lean into the parts that hurt. Lean into the parts that burn and call him good even when it doesn't feel like it. See, regardless of their fate, regardless, listen, regardless of their season. You know what? I, I, I made a determination a few days ago as I was reading actually this passage. I was like, you know what, God? I'm, I'm done. Call, you know, it's just a season. It's just a season of suck. <laughs> like, how many times do Christians use that in this excuse? Like, hey, how are things? Well, it's just one of those seasons. Well, it's been one of those seasons for like 10 years. Listen, if you're still stuck in it and you don't shift your perspective, you'll never be the person that God wants you to be. My wife was reading a quote to me yesterday and she, they, they were asking this question. You ever got that question asked where like, if you could be anybody, who would you want to be? A guy in the book actually answered, he said, if I could be anybody that I wished I could be, he said, I would be the me that I always wanted to be. What if you could be the person that you know that you could be if you actually face the pain? What if you could be the person that you know that God wants you to be if you were just walk, willing to walk through some difficult waters? If you're willing to let your walls down, if you're willing to be exposed, if you're willing to get vulnerable, if you're willing to walk through a difficult time. So we continue in Daniel 3. The story picks up. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. So let me give you a little context. He threw them in the fire. <laughs> he threw them in the fire. And then watch this. And King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Go back to Isaiah 43. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. They lived this out. Here's what they had to do. They had to be willing to say, you know what? We put it all on the line. If God comes through for us, then guess what? We die and we get to see him and that's good. And even if he doesn't, he's still good. But here's the cool thing. Because they were willing to face the unknown, their trial now became a testimony. Their pain now became something that people marveled at. It, it later goes on in the text to say that King Nebuchadnezzar was so astounded that he tears the idol down and he commands everybody to worship their God. And he says, if people don't worship their God, we'll kill them. 
I just love their attitude. God, if you save us, we'll worship you. God, if you don't, you're still good. But let's get honest for a moment. There will be times in life where we feel like the fire is burning us alive. Right? Because there's the complete opposite scenarios. God, you're with me, and you get thrown in the fire, and you die. <laughs> there, that does happen. But it does not mean that God is not with you. Why do we feel like God is absent or so far away? Why do we feel like God is so absent? Let me point you to a psalm that has completely changed my life over the last few weeks. Psalm 66, verse 8 through 12. This is a message version. I have read this every single day for the past three weeks. Bless our God, O peoples. Give him a thunderous welcome. Didn't he set us on this road to life? Didn't he keep us out of the ditch? Pause there. The psalmist is saying, isn't God good? He's blessed us. He's kept us out of the ditch, meaning land. He's pulled us out of hard times. But watch what they had to go through to get there. He trained us first, passed us like silver through refining fires. Brought us to the hard-scrabbled country, pushed us to our very limits, road-tested us inside and out, took us to hell and back, and finally brought us to this well-watered place. So how did they get to the well-watered place where they were finally able to sit and say, God is enough? They went through hell. They went through difficulty. They went through pain. They went through suffering. Here's what happens. Pain causes us to grow up. It causes us to mature. You know why we have so many immature Christians today? Because they don't experience pain. They run from it. They hide it. They suppress it. Actually, in 2 Corinthians, Paul actually thanks the Lord for what? His thorn in the flesh. He says in 2 Corinthians, in order to break any self-reliance or any confidence that I had, meaning all the accomplishments that he had like, done for the Lord, in order to keep myself humble, like, yeah, I wrote half of the New Testament. <laughs> in order to keep himself humble, he said, God assigned to me a thorn in the flesh. The thorn was given, watch this, so that I could trust God more. I'm absolutely convinced that if there was no pain and there was no suffering, then there would be no need for God. We'd become our own gods. I'm, well, I'm good. Why do, why do I need God? Life is going smooth. Life is going well. I would actually argue that God intentionally at times, he brings us close and then he pushes us out. He draws us in and then he pushes us out. Because when we draw in and we stay there, we get too comfortable. And so he pushes us back out. Can I tell you something? When we suffer well, we look like Jesus. When we suffer well, we just look like Jesus. Romans 8, 28, we all know it. I read it in a different light this week. It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We read that and we say, yes, all of those who love Jesus, God works good for them. Read the rest of the verse. Who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, now watch this, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So what does this mean? It means that God already knew the pain that you would endure. It already, he knew the pain that you would face. And so he conforms us to look like Jesus. What does that word conform mean? 
that in the seasons of pain, in the seasons of suffering, in the seasons of depression, God is actually shaping you to look more like Jesus. So when we read it, we said, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to go through pain, to go through hard times, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. See, the truth is he works in all things, even the dark nights of the soul. All things. All things. When we quote that, we like to say all the good things. <laughs> no, all things. In your pain, in your sorrow, in your difficulty, in your hardships, he is working in all things, not just in comfortable seasons, but hard seasons, painful seasons, difficult seasons. Another verse from Isaiah 45 it says, I will give you the treasures of darkness. The, the treasures of darkness. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in the secret place, so, you th- so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. What is God saying? He said, I'm giving you treasures of darkness because in that darkness, in that pain, you will discover a side of me that you've never known before that you would have never known unless you walk through that season. See, our pain is just a doorway that brings us further down the road. It encourages us, although we don't feel like it. It pushes us, it causes us to grow. And here's how I know this. Because if you want to go higher, you have to go deeper. If you want to go higher, if you want to know God more than you've ever known him before, you have to go deeper. If you want to plant a taller tree, you have to go deeper. The way to go deeper is through struggle. The way to be more grounded is through pain. It's struggle. It's to walk through some difficulty. It seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Like, if I want to go higher, i got to go low. That doesn't make any sense. The reason that you go lower when you go higher is because you need a better root system. So when the things of life come your way, man, you're prepared for it. The last time somebody offended you, it's like, man, you know what? I've walked through this road before, and I'm going to walk through it again. And you grow another root, and you dig deeper, and you dig deeper, and you dig deeper. I've had this thought lately in, in Christian subculture, we use the mountain and the valley to kind of contrast where we want to be, right? Like the pinnacle of Christianity is to be on the mountain, right? I want to be with God on the mountaintop. And the mountain becomes like this metaphor that we long for, the very thing that we anticipate, the very thing that we hope for. And the valley is usually a place of struggle and something that we try to numb and avoid at all costs, right? But what if I told you that the only way to the mountain was through the valley? The only way to the mountain is through the valley. I would argue the only way to see true light is to go through real darkness. The only way you will ever appreciate the mountain is by being thankful for the valley. The same God who sits with you on the mountain is the same God who sits with you in the valley and he's no different. I would actually argue if you have a shift in perspective, he's probably closer to you in the valley. God's presence is available on the mountain just as it is in the valley, and your pain does not remove God from his throne. Your pain does not cause God to forget you. 
And as I said earlier, thankfully, how you feel about yourself does not determine how God responds to you. Here's what you have to understand, and this is the essence, this is the heart of the gospel. God is merciful because he is good, not because we are good. God is graceful to us because he is graceful, not because we are. God will use pain to draw you back to true faith, to truly trust his sufficiency. Here's what I want you to understand today, that God does not want you to embrace him only when he meets your needs. He wants you to seek him in order to know and enjoy and trust his love-filled presence even when you walk through difficulty. But sadly, tragically, a lot of us look at God as like this genie, right? God, I got a prayer request. Where you at? Like, why isn't it being met? I've been searching for a job for a long time. I'm struggling. Or I've been walking through this fear. I've been walking through this. And God's saying, I have the solution. Feel your pain. Feel it. What if your pain was not really actually the disease? It was just a symptom pointing to something deeper. That's trying to say, hey, something is wrong here. Your pain is often, C.S. Lewis put it so perfectly, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Right? He shouts to us in our pain. And it's all of a sudden, our pain becomes like this megaphone where it's like, okay, God, you've got my attention. So here's what I want you to do. I have, I took this from Terry Wardle in his book. It's, his book is called Draw Close to the Fire. And uh, it's six kind of, I guess, um, approaches that he would have us take. And I, I think I found them to be so helpful for me in this season. And I want to offer it to you. Six approaches worth considering. So if you find yourself in a season of pain, if you find yourself in a season of difficulty, in a season of depression, and a season of anxiety, these are six practical things that you can do. But here's what I want you to understand. You cannot do these well until you shed those walls down. Until you get to a place where you can look across the table from another human being and say, man, this is what God's doing to me and I'm broken. get to a place of humility, as my wife said last week, oftentimes humility means humiliation. You feel humiliated. And it's the reason that we run away from it So oftentimes. But sometimes it's the only way that God actually humbles us. So here's an approach worth considering. Number one, seems so practical, pray for passion. Let this be a consuming prayer for you. Admit that you cannot ignite such a fire on your own. Now, now here's what I mean by this when I say pray for passion. Don't wake up and read your Bible because that's what good Christians do. Don't wake up and I got to set the mood. I got to put Christian radio on. That's garbage, okay? (laughs) Wake up and say, you know what, God? I'm here not with an agenda. I'm not trying to get anything out of it. I'm not trying to get something so I can tweet it. I'm not trying to get something so I can post an image on Instagram or Facebook. I am here to meet with you. That's it. No agenda. I pray that I would passionately fall in love with you. My only agenda is to know you. 
And I find that oftentimes in our relationship with Jesus, we go to him and we have an agenda. And God's just saying, drop the act, just be with me. Just pray for passion. Husbands, you know this when you go out to a date. What does your wife want? Just be here. That's all I want. Like, just, just be focused on this moment. Put the phone down. Eliminate the distractions. Stop worrying if the waiter didn't come quick enough. Like, just be here in this moment. See, that's so transformational if you can allow that to deep, sink deeply within your soul. Like, God, I'm here with zero agenda. The only agenda I have is that you would begin to ignite a fire deep within inside of my soul to want to know you like I've never known you before. The second thing, wait in stillness. Just wait. Do you know you are actually louder when you say nothing? When you actually sit in silence? I don't know about you, but when I sit down, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to practice this. Sit in silence got to check that email. I have like 20 red notifications on my phone that I just need to get rid of real quick. Oh, I didn't drink any coffee yet. I need to go make that latte. <laughs> oh, I need to pick up the living room. Oh, and the kids need this. Oh. But if we can learn to say, okay, God, I got uh, five minutes. I'm going to sit here in stillness. I'm going to let you speak to me. Number three, surrender. Surrender to the Spirit. What do I mean by this? There's something more than finding a way out of your suffering, and it's surrender. There's something deeper than finding an escape from your pain, and it's surrender. What if the perspective was, okay, God, obviously you haven't released me from this, so what happens if I surrender to it? What happens if I come to a place where I say, okay, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to lean into that. Number four, move slowly. Your, in, your desire for instant gratification must give way to an unhurried rest before the Lord. I don't know if you're like me, but like, I, I want something now. So you sit down and you're like, all right, God, like, what, what do I want to read? What do say something. Come on, let's go. <laughs> God say, no, 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 move slowly. You know why we move slowly in the midst of suffering and in pain? Because if God dropped it all on us at one time, we couldn't handle it. So God so graciously says, okay, let's just take it one day at a time. Let's move slowly. Let's pick off little pieces every single day. When I've walked through the dark nights of the soul, when depression has been real and anxiety has been thick, I had to learn, like, look, this just doesn't dissipate like this. I don't wake up and it's just gone. I move slowly in this unhurried, I'm just going to rest in the Lord, that he knows me, that he's good. He knows my needs. He knows the things that I'm struggling with. He's not blind to them. He's not absent to them. So I move slowly. Number five, open your imagination. What do I mean by this? Give the Holy Spirit access for you to imagine and to visualize what life would look like with you living in the truth. 
What would life look like if you opened yourself to the possibility of the walls and the things that are holding you back and you dropped those and you went through a season of vulnerability and you went through a season of pain and you allowed the Holy Spirit to speak into those issues and bring healing to that? What would life look like? Number six, once you've done all those, all you simply do is you worship the Lord. You sit there and you're thankful and now you can just be still and you can enjoy his presence, this authenticity that exists between you and the Father that there's nothing between you. There's nothing there. Like every wall has been dropped. Every guard has been exposed. There's no defense. It's just you and God, your weakness, your vulnerabilities, your ugly side, he sees it all. I don't know if you know this already, but like you're not actually good at hiding from the Lord. <laughs> David actually says there's, there's no place that I can go in the corners of the earth that I can hide from your presence. One of the most astonishing things for me in the gospel is that God knows every detail of your life and he still leans in. He still loves you. He doesn't think of you any different. You know what kept me from holding on to things for so long is, is the fact that I literally thought that when I would expose certain things in my life that even God would view me differently. How stupid is that? It's like, you idiot, I see every piece of your life. So I want to close with this. This is Psalms thirty four eighteen. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he will help you catch your breath. If your heart is broken, you will find God right there, not in your ability to avoid your brokenness, but if you're kicked in the gut, he will help you catch your breath. I had this word picture kind of come in my mind last night as I was preparing for this. And I want you to understand how good of a father God actually is. I have two little girls, and there's just something about a girl and a dad, right? And every single time I've seen my daughter play or do certain things, and she runs, and she scrapes her knee, and she cuts herself, and she hurts herself... My response is always marked with compassion to lean in, to say, okay, hey, it's going to be okay. Dad's going to bandage the knee. You're going to be all right. And she, and my, my daughter is my five-year-old Amelia. She is like the epitome of a girl defined. <laughs> she gets one little cut in the world. It's over, right? It's bleeding. It's just red, babe. <laughs> but what does a good father do when their child is hurt? They lean into the pain, right? They lean in and say, hey, look, it's going to be okay. We're going to bandage that. You're going to get back up. You sit down, you take a rest, you take a breather. And in a few minutes, you'll be able to get back on the bike and everything's going to be fine. You know when you find yourself in the valley, like that's what the Father does to us. When you feel like you're hobbling around on life, when you feel like you've got nothing left, when you feel like your wounds are so exposed, and the only thing that you can 
feel is fear and worry and anxiety and depression and what are people gonna think? Do you know that the Father actually leans into you? He leans into your brokenness and just says, look, come to me. I'll take care of it. So I wanna close with this scripture in Psalms 43, verse 22. It says this, God pays for each slave's freedom. No one who runs to him loses out. So I want to change the perspective here. Some of you have been running for a long time from your pain. You've been running at 100 miles an hour. You're going, you're trying to do everything that you can to avoid it. You're using every distraction tool that you have to numb it, to suppress it, to push it down. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to keep running. Just start running towards the Father. Because here's what this says. In Psalms 43, 22, when you don't deal with your pain, you are a slave to your pain. But it says God pays for each slave's freedom. Like That's the essence of the gospel, that he paid for you when you did not deserve it. And no one who runs to him loses out. So here's what you have. You can either be a slave to your pain or you can allow your pain to teach you something. Which perspective do you want to take? Do you want to be a slave to the pain where you just surrender to it and say, this is all life will ever be? Or do you say, you know what? I'm going to allow myself to feel it so it can teach me something. I'm going to allow myself to give into it so that God can use it to begin to shape me, so that God can use it to begin to grow me up. And listen, I'm, I'm not trying to polish this up. I'm not trying to say that this is going to be easy. Listen, I'll be the first one to tell you it's going to be hard. Because the moment that you get vulnerable <laughs> is the moment that you feel like you've just been hit by a brick wall, right? Because all of a sudden, poof, you're exposed. This comes from personal experience, but I feel for so long that certain things in my life that I held on to is just particularly because of shame. It's because of shame because I actually started believing that the thing that I was dealing with was who I was. Can I tell you something? Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, that's not who you are. and It's not who God sees you as. Shame will name you. It'll tell you that's who you are. God says, no, no, I've paid for that. And the only antidote to shame is what Brene Brown says. She says the only antidote to shame is vulnerability. The only way to release shame over your life is to expose it for what it really is. Vulnerability is the antidote to shame. Openness, being exposed, coming to a place where you say, okay, I've got nothing left to hide. Here I am. This is me. So I want to do something just a little bit different this morning. If you're comfortable with it, would you do this with me? Just right there in your chair, would you close your eyes and just lift your hands? It's just a simple sign of surrender. If you're walking through a trial, if you're walking through pain, if you're walking through hardship, I want you for a second to visualize this, to think about this, that God is with you in the midst of that. He's not distant from you. He's not far away from you. He's right 
there next to you. As Isaiah says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. He is with you. So we read in Daniel chapter 3 that when they threw the men into the fire, that God was right there with them. 